This podcast was edited and recorded by me, your host, Sandra. In this episode, I'm going to be basically talking about the principles of how everything added up. Next episode, next week's episode is going to be extremely intense. So all this information is going to be important because it will add up to why I took the decisions that I took, why I allowed things to happen, and um, yeah, so it's going to give the basics. So let's get to it. This was literally like really spontaneous. I never thought about it. I just had came back from Cuba, which tangent, I will be, you know, explaining so many things that happen out there in my next season. But um, I went to Puerto Rico. It was so spontaneous. I was like, you know what? I want to go to school, not in the U.S. land. I want to go somewhere tropical. So I went to a U.S. territory, and I decided to go to Puerto Rico. School was in English and Spanish. You know, I'm, um, I want to say I'm pretty fluent on both of them. So I decided to pack my bags and go. I was so excited. A really weird thing that happened in that process is, like, I had this dream three times in a row and it was as this guy was just sitting there and he was just staring at me and I would just you know smile back and then the following one was that he was staring at me same table and then he told me that he thought I was beautiful then I had that same dream again and it was just really weird um, I didn't pay attention to it because I was so excited about my new experience but something about me I always was very like observant about the dreams that I had because there was various moments in the past where I did have a dream and for some earthly reason it happened and I will share other stories about this later so usually like when I have a specific dream I'm like whoa I wonder what it means like I wonder what's going to happen is this a warning or is it just that I ate too much so I try to like you know see where it's coming from if there's any symbolism that portrays something biblical you know um anyways but these three dreams I completely set it aside I was like it's just nonsense like I'm just excited about my new experience so you know I'm moving to Puerto Rico like I was excited I didn't know a single soul I the only person that I knew there was my friend Ruth and um in her family and I was really young I was like 20 years old coming back from mission so I had this big passion for sharing the love of God um I had a fire like I had a fire inside me like I just want to be a bible worker so my plan was I'm going to be a student and a missionary at the same time I am going to share the health message I am going to share the gospel and I want to be a Bible worker and I want to look for a church that needs help and support. And I want to 
help it. I want to help it to get filled because God is coming soon and there's no time to just be here studying. I got to be doing something. I mean, putting these things into practice, whatever I'm learning. So I was like super hyped, super excited. I was so involved. So the minute I got there, I was like signing up to do things. I was like signing up to be the chaplain of, uh, of like this department and signing up to be the chaplain of this department and like you know and I was very innocent like I felt I feel like now that I think about myself back then I see myself like like a little girl very just excited about life excited to be in a new place to meet people and I'm typically a very shy person so I'm very slow to warm up and then after a moment that I feel comfortable I can truly be myself but there was no room for me to be shy because I'm in a whole new island where there's people that I don't know. Even though Ruth was there, we were both doing our own thing. So she would be doing something and I'll be doing something. So our friendship was very, is very interesting till this day because we're really close. We have a background where she lived, she lived, um, you know, in my same town when she had came back from, when she had recently moved from Cuba and um yeah like so our friendship dynamic was really different like we weren't always together but we knew we had each other and we would you know we would come and talk to each other and we still do that whenever we're having a rough time we come to each other and talk and we want to hang out we'll come to each other and talk and we just want to have a pleasant conversation I want to say it's a very like very special friendship that not a lot of people you can't have friendships like that with a lot of people um and still have that strong connection so Ruth is there you know so she's doing her own thing running doing photography and I'm doing my own thing running and and meeting people and trying to get out there you know saying hi my name's Sandra and I was a missionary here and you know just (laughs) I didn't talk like that (laughs) but you know that's the point um so I had never had a boyfriend ever and you know I had spoken to guys like I liked them and they liked me and I just wanted to see where things would go but so I've always been like kind of picky with which guy I would actually date I had the idea that my first boyfriend would be my last and I wanted to stick to that like I wanted that so bad and I was faithful to making it happen so I would pray fully like really pray really hard every time I liked a guy and they would tell me they liked me too I would really pray hard about it because I wanted to be smart about it I didn't want my heart to be invested incorrectly and I wanted my heart to be fully with any scars with nothing like a fresh heart for the man that I married and that was my goal and I wanted it to be as pure as possible because he deserved the ultimate best like this is going to be the man that was going to lead me and lead the family that we were going to you know we're gonna have together so it's like I wanted him to have the ultimate best and that was my mentality and given that even though my dad was not really a father figure in the emotional sense I've always he's been a very hard-working man and um he did struggle with being an alcoholic for the longest time and it was hard but I'm thankful that I have four brothers 
and my third oldest brother, Jose, he was always that father figure to me. And I was, I'm very lucky to have him in my life and have him as a brother because he was able to like, you know, just watching him. And I know that if I ever need anything and talk to my brother, I know I can and reach out to my brother. And all my brothers are very protective. Um, the oldest one, he's very protective of me too. He always calls me, he gives me advice. Um, I think it's goofy because, you know, I see where he's at in life. I'm like, you're giving me advice? And he, we just laugh it off. Um, but, you know, I have great men in my life. And it there's big shoes to be filled, basically what I'm trying to say. And so, like, seeing that, like, I've always been, been picky. So, you know, I always liked, got, you know, always had something with a guy, you know, like we would talk, but that would be like, you know, I, there's these qualities that I'm specifically seeking for. And I don't feel like this is something God has approved of. Like, I don't, I don't see it going anywhere. So usually I would just like cut it off and be like, you know what? No. And I never shared with my family, like what, which guys, like it was only, it was like what, three guys within the time span of high school and my, till the age of like 2019 and it was because I didn't want to talk to them about it unless I knew it was 100% serious like I I will not mention a guy to my family unless I can see it going somewhere and I still keep it that way um well actually things have changed a little bit I'll talk more about that later on um so I I'm Puerto Rico right and I'm looking for I got a little job I was you know cleaning and um, and I got a little job in the cafeteria, just like student serving the students as a student and, um, the work study type of method that they have in universities. So I was basically the lunch lady and the janitor my first semester. Um, a member of the pastoral team, his name, I'm going to call him Gapi. He asked me if I wanted to be a chaplain for the girls dorm. And I was so excited that I said yes. Um, this basically consisted of me letting them know that I was there for them, letting them know that I was there to support them, to pray for them, and, you know, basically creating a safe environment for them so that um, I could help them find the right connection. So I'm not there to fix them, but if there's issues that are very alerting, I would report it to the cha- the chaplain and he would reach out to them and get them help so we were basically like it's like if the, the pastoral team was the octopus and the chaplains were the little tentacles of the dorms and we were doing the work but this is where everything started shifting okay so I'm coming from a home where Everything was pretty healthy. There were there were a few things, of course, that, you know, that we struggled as a family. And there were certain things that didn't go so well. And moving from California to South Carolina was a big transition and a big emotional um, challenge that we all had. So it was like, but there wasn't anything dramatic, dramatic that was impacted in my life that was like, boom. Of course, yes, my dad was an alcoholic, and that was hard. But my mom, 
established something so profoundly in my life, and that was my relationship with God in prayer. No matter the circumstance, if I knelt down and I prayed to God, He would answer and He would comfort me. He is the one to dig me out of any situation. And that is something that my mom installed in my life. And I saw how God got us out from situations after situations. Every time I saw my mother pray, see her pray into tears. like, And she never really allowed these situations to consume her to make her a negative person in fact she always bloomed and grew and that is something that i learned from her it's recycling these bad events and make them into new so i did i did have situations in life that i went through but they didn't affect me they weren't baggage so to me baggage is like i am dealing with the situation now whereas i have a story is like this is what I went through and this is my testimony but I'm healed and I'm telling you how it happened kind of like what I'm doing now so um I didn't have any baggage I thought everything was great and dandy um so I'm here at this chaplain's chaplaincy program right that I basically decided to participate and things started getting like very odd very odd My friend Ruth was considered to be a chaplain, and she fell off, and I am going to share a recording of what she said. Okay, this event, I was basically not there. Like, I was there if you needed me, but I wasn't like, oh, it's happening 24-7. So I kind of just saw bits of you throughout this, this thing, so... First of all, um, and I believe this kind of uh, rooted from chaplaincy. So we started in chaplaincy, I believe it was our second semester. My, my, my second semester, your first semester, close to the, your, your second semester. And when we first started, and I was, I, I was just remembering that, you know, the, the whole like, group vibe was more to like, hey, you know, everyone has to open up and like kind of forcefully you have to have something wrong with you and I wasn't sure like what that was my vibe so that's kind of why I left and I don't know if I told Jared or I told Chaplin um hey I'm I don't know if I'm you know I don't fit here as much because I wasn't comfortable like I guess sharing stuff or I just you know I was like didn't understand the whole like dynamic so I am on this like excited journey of being able to do all these things right um and i am in chaplaincy and there's all these guys is me and christy and christy was the leader of the girls chaplaincy and we were both in it together was the the program was brand new so you know i'm going to my first meeting i'm walking and i see these bright shoes goodness grief I remember these shoes they were so bright and I look at them but they were really cool I remember they were these bright Nikes and I look at the shoes and I'm walking to go to the chaplain's office and I look up and I see this guy 
and I literally felt like my heart felt to my stomach and like so fast like so quick like snap I remembered the th three dreams that I had I was like oh my goodness I was like this this is this isn't real so I you know continue walking go to the chaplain's office I'm like I'm just going to avoid him and I tell him I'm like hey I like your shoes I was like, oh, thanks. He had a really nice, deep voice. And, um, yes, this mystery man, we're going to call him Jerry. He's going to be one of the main characters. So it turns out that he's actually a chaplain as well. After my first meeting, I call my mom. And I'm just telling her about, like, mom, there's, I had this dream. And I saw the guy. She was like, take it easy. Pray really hard. And let the Lord guide whatever. Maybe there's a purpose you met this guy. Maybe you guys are just meant to be friends. Maybe, you know, it's not a big deal. It's it's okay. Take deep breaths. And I was like, okay. Okay, she's right. Prayer. A lot of prayer. So, <clears throat> the highlight of this episode is going to be on the chaplaincy. Because it was such a big chapter of my experience. And this is where everything just started like getting a little nasty and um so like i said it was a group of guys me and christy and we would wake up really early and go to the saber tree we would have we would pray we would talk and basically we were quote unquote be called the wounded healers um so the first meeting uh Gapi sat us down and he was like, okay, we're all going to open up. I want you guys to share your testimonies, your stories, your struggles. We're going to be helping the, you know, the student body. But for us to do that, um, we need to help each other heal from our store, whatever struggles we're going through. And I was sitting down. I was like, what's my struggle? You know, like, I the only thing I was really worried about at that time was making sure I was picking the right major that goes according to my talents for me to serve the Lord. That was my ultimate struggle. And then, of course, having my dad, and I wanted my dad to get to know the Lord. And that was, like, my ultimate struggles. Like, it wasn't, like, super intense. So everyone starts talking. And when I say that these these people were going through some devastating things like I was in shock like these guys really had it in life they went through really rough times and they were still healing from it so many issues and one of my friends who is now one of my super closest friends Joshua I remember when I heard his I don't know Actually, I don't know if we actually got to his story, but he did share to me, like, vaguely what he went through. And I was just in shock. Like, I can't believe that these people are going through so much and they're still willing to serve God in their brokenness. Like, to me, this was a lesson. Like, there is something that I need to learn here. And um, my turn never came up. We went on break. And, um, you know... I never share my story, but the story that really stuck out to me was Jerry's story. 
it was just absolutely so intense. So intense. Like, when he told his story, I remember the two girls, the other two girls were crying. And I, I couldn't cry and I couldn't process how it, the intensity of his life. I'm talking about this guy went through abuse. He was neglected. He ran away. He lived with his best friend for two years. He disappeared from his family. He was homeless for a while. Um, he had a fiance. At the moment, he couldn't remember her name. But it was because it was so painful because she passed away in his arms like the intensity of having that sadness that he was still dealing with and he traveled at, he traveled so many places he traveled to Africa and you know he got stuck in countries and it was just an absolute disaster like I couldn't grasp on how intense his story was and the fact that he had a fiance that passed away in his arms like I was like Oh my God, Lord. And I was convicted at that moment that I had dreamt about him because I needed to pray for him. I needed to pray for this man to heal. I needed to pray that God sent him a good community, that God sent him people to become, you know, a healed man because you, you know, the, the expression that he gave was like, I'm, I'm struggling. And I believed it. I was like, this man is struggling. And everyone was trying to help him. Like, dude, you can remember her name. He was like, no, I, I can't. Like, it's it's painful. Like, I can't remember. Everyone's wiping out their tears. That was like one of the most intense sessions that I'll never forget. And I went up to him. I was like, hey, um, I think you should read Psalms 139. And I just walked away. <laughs> I was like, here, read Psalms 139. I literally just, you know he was like 139 I was like yeah and then he like opened up his bible and I just ran out um I was so worried I told my mom about it I told um my missionary the missionary team in Cuba I was like you guys I found this guy that needs prayer we can all pray for him like you know I I felt like we were meant to be friends um and I wanted to pursue him as a friend um, so, you know, break happens and come back my first summer, I go to El Salvador, come back and, uh, um, we start this chaplaincy again and, and we had to open up all these stuff and I, and I, they never got to me. I don't know why, but, um, I started, we made a little friend group and it was this girl named Kay and Chris and I, and I would invite him to hang out with us. And well, actually, Chris would invite him to hang out with us. And um, I think his story really impacted us. And um, he was very, very good with his words. Like, he was very intellectual. Like, he had a perspective about the Bible that was very unique. Like, I remember we would like do these things. We would read the Bible together and we were like, all right, everybody next tomorrow, let's bring a random item and we're going to make like biblical analogies with it. And then we would just do that every day. And he would literally just 
grab a rubber band and speak about how we need to be unified. And he, it was just so amazing the way he would speak about the Bible. Like, it was things I would never even comprehend. Like, whoa, I would have never seen it in that perspective. So it was really pushing me out of the box of my comfort zone. And I just found it so amazing. It was so thrilling. So, um, you know, like the way he thought everything, you know, and the way he prayed was amazing. And he would just literally talk to God like I'm talking to this computer and talking to you guys. And I was just really amazed. Like when I say I was amazed, I was amazed. And I remember we had another meeting where we had to talk about and pray about the stuff that everybody was going through. And still to this point, it never came to me. Like, the only thing I said was like, you know, I have these goals and uh, my dad is an alcoholic and I want him to seek the Lord and feel, get freedom. And, um, and also, like, I would love to hear my dad say that he loves me. I know my dad loves me. Um, but he's not a very verbal person. So he would she shows his love through working and providing or, you know, giving me a hundred dollars every once in a while. But I wanted to hear it. And it it didn't affect me as much as I thought it did. I am someone that loves to hear words like words of affirmation. Um, and it is because of that. And it feels good when I hear people tell me like like, Oh, good job or like, Oh, you look nice today. Like it feels so nice and it's because I never really got it. The only guy that actually ever complimented me was my brother, Jose, in the home. He would be like, oh, that hair looks good. And then my younger brother, like, he would always like, oh, that looks good, Nana. Like, my family calls me Nana. Anyways, little tangent there. So that was something I would share with them. Like, I would really like this to happen. And so we would just, like, pray together and stuff. And um, he confessed that he remembered her name and her name was... Her name is actually Paige. This is not covering anything. That was her name. Her name was Paige. And, um, you know, and she died on his birthday. And this is why he hates celebrating his birthday. And it just got really, like, intense. And him and I became really close. We would go hiking all over campus together. And we would pray together and... Um, we would share whatever was on our mind and it was mainly him like sharing what he had on his mind and then I would share like oh yeah you know um, today was rough like it was a hard day in school and he would like motivate me to to keep going and and he would tell me like that he would see shadows of 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 Paige throughout campus and it was just hard and I was just so concerned I was like oh my goodness like I want my friend to be okay and um on his I, I remember that on his birthday like he I, I made sure that he was okay like I messaged so many people and I fasted and, and I was like I want him to be okay on his birthday his birthday was coming around and our friendship just started progressing and we just got so close and um 
you know and but there was something odd about him like one day he would be super energetic and saying hi and texting me that he wanted to talk to me but then he would like kind of try to push me away and avoid me so it was always wishy-washy like it was nothing consistent his personality wasn't consistent and I strongly believed that it was because of what all you know he went through of course like come on you know that is some intense stuff and it would cause it will cause you know behavioral changes especially when you're still hurting over it you know it's some intensity intensity and um anyways so you know he's hurting and i remember this one day we went um we went hammocking and he made me coffee and i was in one hammock and he was on the other and he was like hey i have something for you that i want to share and he pulled out this big green art notebook and he was like these are my journal like my journal where i speak about missing page and i want you to read it so i started reading it and some of them made me smile because it was really sweet stuff and then I would continue reading and reading and reading and it was just like I remember when we did this together and I remember this so clear he was like um, every time I was scared or every time I would ask a dumb question you would and I would you would say do uh, bears poop in the woods and of course so it's like a common sense question and um, and he was like ha 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 and he would do little drawings of like a little bear in the woods so I could tell that he put a lot of effort on these like journaling thing and and I was so honored that he shared that with me but one thing I did notice it was like all in the same pen color and but then I was like oh you know like I write in the same pen I have I have a journal and I use the same pen for that journal um anyways so um I would cook for this guy just you know I just really wanted us to to be really close friends and so that he could have like a someone that he could go to and I would cook for him and I slowly started opening up about my thoughts with my experience of having an alcoholic dad and I shared a few of my insecurities and my fears and how much I loved my mom and my family and these are things that I usually I'm not a very open person uh, typically at that time I didn't really talk about anything about an issue I would just talk to my mom and we would pray um, I would never was taught to depend and share my issues with other people because you know we can't trust people um, so this was a big step for me to actually opening up to this guy and even though there wasn't anything compared to what he had gone through I felt like it was big for me um, I shared how I stressed easily, my weaknesses, and how sometimes, like, I can be a pushover, and, like, people always end up getting stuff out of me because I just can't say no, and then I get overwhelmed with so much work, and that was, like, one of my weaknesses, and then he was like, all right, well, you know, we can work on this together, and I was like, okay, cool, and I remember this one day during the week of prayer, um, the chaplains had to do the prayer tent and they put uh 
they the pastoral team asked me to be in charge of it and to have the chaplains make it and it was my first semester like my first week of prayer no my second week of prayer i didn't know it was changed i think it was i think it was changed um that was the name of the week of prayer but um so i cried because i felt like a failure like i was like oh my gosh i didn't make the tent happen but given they told me the day of that they needed the tent made and my friend at the time jared he was very protective of me and um he was like how do they use you like this like he jared became like my big brother i didn't have my older brother jose there but god i always say god sent me jared he was that big brother that i needed in college <laughs> so um he like spoke to the pastoral team and was like you know what this is not gonna happen sandra's not gonna do it we're not gonna do it and it's not fair so i started crying and then jerry comes by and he was like what's wrong i was like oh my gosh i feel like a failure and he was like hey let's go sit at the bench and talk about it and there was this little cute little bench section with a cute little floorboard with like bricks and I sat down and I just I was trying not to cry or show him that I was like that had cried but I was upset and he looked concerned he was like what's wrong like he was concerned so I was stressed out he took me to the bench and then he looked at me he was like you know you're living in a fantasy and I was like my mind was like I'm living in a fantasy like given i trust this guy completely like we've gotten so close and i looked up to him because he was so intelligent and 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 so smart he knew so much and um so like he must have been man like he must have been right because he's a godly man so he must be right i was living in that fantasy so he was like you're living in a fantasy and and you're not seeing reality and like you need to open your eyes of what truth is like you always think your life is perfect and you don't have any issues and like and he was like you have a lot of issues that you need to tackle and you're dealing with a lot so he was like telling me what my reality was and i had never had anyone sit me down and tell me my reality um, and I remember I just cried and I went back to the dorm and I spoke to Chris and, and Kay and I was like, you know, this is what he told me. And then she was like, dude, that's weird. He's weird. Like, don't listen to him. Like, you know, your life, you know, your story. But I was like, but he knows a little bit more about me now. And it's like, you know, so that, that semester was intense all the chaplains we were just so like lost we everyone opened up but nothing actually healed nothing nobody found closure and we were trying to help and do all these things to serve our you know peers and and the people at school but we were all hurting we were all come back to each other and and um like i would always go to jared and joshua by the way these are their real names um and um yeah like i was just and it was an intense semester like that was intense like i was like oh man like i've been living in a fantasy like i didn't even know that like i didn't know and so 
set, you know, that semester is over. And then during that break, he would call me and we would speak for hours on Skype and like, um, like, it was just weird because sometimes he would act weird on the phone, like he was really cold, but then he would be really like talkative and, um, and stuff like that. So I would be really confused with his behavior. And that's when I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I like this man. Like, there's no way, why do I care for him so intensely? Like I had an intense care for him. Like I want to make sure he was fed. I wanted to make sure this and that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like him. And plus like he was so charming. Like he always looked for the best interest for other people. And he always, if, if anyone needed something, boom, he would find a way to, to do it. Like, and, um, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, there was some things, some vulgar things that he would say, and I, but they were so easy to overlook because he just had so much good about him. It was, like, a too good to be true of a person. Like, wow, he's gone through so much, but he's yet willing to help, willing to serve. He was charming. The way he spoke was charming. The way he looked was charming. Like, yeah, it was just all over, and, um... So that happened and the following semester I showed up and that's when we had a class together um, and we paired up to do this project and then he asked me to, he asked me to be his girlfriend. But when that happened, something strange really happened. Um, First of all, I was like my first boyfriend, and the weird thing is I never really told my dad about it or my brother about it. Like, nobody really knew about it. Um, but he asked me to be his girlfriend, and, um, like, you know, I said yes. So exciting. First boyfriend ever, and we hiked all over campus, and he showed me his favorite spot. Like, there was this dried waterfall spot, like... But things started taking, things started going downhill from there because Chris and I sat down. There was just something that kept me uneasy. I was like, oh. so Chris and I sat down and we reviewed the story that he shared with us. And we discovered something that was going to change everything. But, of course, I excused it because I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. But. The day he asked me out, a possessed man showed up. And that's where everything got nasty. Alright, so that was my first episode. Um, next episode, I'm going to be talking about, yes, the possessed man. What the heck did I and Chris find out when we were analyzing the story? A, man, a woman in my room calling me in the middle of the night. Like, why are all these supernatural events happening? What did the possessed man say to me? Like, 
what in the world? What's going on here? Everything was great my first semester, but, you know, things start getting really nasty and really big battles. And everyone just wanted to sit down one-on-one and have a serious conversation with me because they saw that my life was in danger. And I didn't see it. But why was my life in danger? Stick around. And that will be for episode two.